getting T-Pain on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out. 1030 is our Sunday service time. If you're not local but looking for a good Bible teaching church that you can check out online, uh, go to calvary316.live. That is the link to our YouTube channel. And again, our service is at 1030. You can uh, tune in, watch online, drop us a note, uh, leave some feedback. Uh, I am joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, uh, Pope Creighton. How you doing, bud? I am doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I, I, I see am, uh, you get your His Productions Man, I got His swag. Productions. I've got a Calvary 316 shirt. Um, yeah, you're looking clean. I'm looking good, man. Merched up. Merched up. You got the uh, the, the the one ear headphone. That's kind of a new thing you've been you've been doing. Yeah, we got rid of the over ears uh, for just a single one, which is way better. I use the over ears at church now, where I need the actual canceling because music is loud. Hey, and you guys explain are to people how the show works. Uh, basically, what's going to happen is in a few minutes, I will introduce a topic. Uh, Zach will turn it into a Bible study. Me and some people we will introduce shortly will discuss what Zach has said. We'll go back and forth. It'll be a good time. Um, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can put those in the comments of either YouTube or Facebook, which I assume you're watching on. Or if you're on the podcast, you can email me uh, at popecrayton at gmail.com with the same questions, comments, concerns. If you have something to say about the topic at hand or another episode that you want us to have, uh, if you have a question or something that you want us to talk about. Now, so, we yeah. did get some criticism last week about that spiel. Because, oh, that's true. Because what happened? We well, won. Vimeo is giving me issues because it always is. And I was not checking the comments last week. And so it was, and it was your literally brother was upset because he posted a very good comment. It was after, <laughs> after the show that it was like, Oh no, there was actually some comments that we did not include in the episode. So we're going to rectify that tonight for sure. So we are monitoring both, uh, the YouTube channel, which is outlawradio.live, And we are also monitoring, um, the Facebook page. Who's doing that? I know you're doing one of them, correct? Yes, I have YouTube. So you have YouTube. So I'm watching YouTube. And, and Spice I think Daddy. I am also still watching Facebook. I'm and, trying. Okay. So if you're on Facebook, if you don't, sorry. Right. We're also joined in studio. We're going to work it left to right. We're gonna. I'm going to throw a wrinkle on you there, Craig. We're in that? the round. I don't know what that means. We're going to go left to right. So we've got uh, two familiar characters. We've got Spice Daddy. We've got Kyle Parkin. How you guys doing? What's Good. up? Good. Good. Justin, you, you're high and tight, man. You you definitely you cleaned up. Yeah, uh, it started raining, and I like to feel the raindrops on my head and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't take it all off. So. An amazing reason. That was <laughs> what's funny is that that's the that's a different reason that you gave earlier. The the reason you gave earlier was like I woke up with bedhead and it was I'm, like well time to go. Man can have multiple reasons for doing stuff. That's true. Ooh, solid. That is solid. Also joined. Uh, we've got a rookie in our midst. We've got uh, Mr. Aaron Mott. How are you doing, buddy? Hanging in here, man. Aaron is a good friend of of all of us, and he's one of the worship leaders at our church. And uh, for the tonight's topic, which Creighton will introduce in a moment, we wanted Aaron to to join us for our discussion. Also, we've got Nicholas Monty. How are you doing, Nick? Good. You get that stoic look, you know. I always do, man. How's your golf game? <sighs> Rough. It's right. <laughs> You're getting your money's worth, right? Oh, yeah. For sure. Hitting plenty of balls. Hitting plenty of balls. <laughs> All right, Creighton, so what are we... You know what? Before we get to that... Okay, there uh, it rant. is. Before, no, not a rant. 
No, we're just gonna we're gonna cover some bases. So last week we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit. We talked about how we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, how we differentiate the Holy Spirit closing a door as opposed to having opposition from the enemy. And the way that the question was framed was was interesting um, because we looked at two different passages where Paul is trying to go uh, into Asia, but he's resisted by the Holy Spirit, and he's clear. He has this understanding, like the Holy Spirit doesn't want him to go this direction, and he waits in Troas, and then he ends up going um, the opposite direction. He ends up taking the gospel to Philippi and to Europe. So Paul could sense, like, okay, the Holy Spirit is resisting me. We don't have a lot of the details there. But then, like, later on in writing to the church there in Thessalonica, uh, I think it was the first letter to Thessalonians, Paul talks about his desire to be there in person. But he says, but I'm being, I'm being restricted by the enemy, by Satan. And so the, the question was framed in the dynamic of, like, how, how, do you, how can you tell the difference between Satan stopping you as opposed to the Holy Spirit stopping you. So we, we spent some time. We unpacked that. We did get a question um, that was a good question that we were not able to include in the show. Um, it was rephrased uh, and sent to me personally uh, by a Nicholas A. <laughs> Who's that? Well, um, we'll leave last names out. Okay. You know, a, a, a Nick A who lives in New Jersey. He'll tell him where we live. Where he lives. It's a big state. It's not like I'm honing it down to anything. Oh my god. Do I okay. think? Do I think there are times where the Holy Spirit is pressing my heart, and other times where it's just me or even the devil? Question mark. Yes, of course. But I think it gets very complicated to make that determination based on an outcome or results. That becomes very slippery. And that's kind of what you implied tonight a couple times. Um, this Nicholas A. sounds like he's had a good Bible uh, had education a great in the past. <laughs> <laughs> the senior pastor of that church was suspect. But man. But the youth pastor was the just. The youth pastor was dynamite. And the, the lady that ran a women's ministry was killer. <laughs> we got to cover that basis too. Um, you know, to answer the question about just, you know, I, and, I, and I think the way that it's framed is like, determining what it is from the hindsight of 2020 um, becomes slippery because maybe sometimes you don't actually get to see it, um, that you might not have that evidence. Um, and, and again, I, I, I understand uh, I understand the question. I under, understand the, the sentiment. And, and for me, I have, I have learned over time to try to differentiate when the Holy Spirit's leading me, when he's saying go, when he's saying stop. Uh, and, and then, sensing when it's the enemy. Like, I think that that becomes a very personal thing for each person individually. And I'm not trying to imply like there being a slippery slope where it's the same for every person. Again, when we're looking at the scripture, for whatever reason, Paul was able to determine in the book of Acts and in, in regards to where the gospel was to go, he was able, I think within the hindsight of 2020, be like, Hey, this was the Holy spirit stopping us from going um, east and instead to go west. And and that became the benefit of the hindsight because he stops in Troas. I don't know where to go. He gets a vision of the Macedonian call and he goes to Philippi and he's like, okay, I get it. I can see it. For whatever reason, we're not given any details in, in Thessalonians that whatever was restricting him, he understood that this was that this was the enemy. And, and then we also unpacked and talked about kind of the complicated nature of like, can God use the enemy for his purposes? Um, Satan might have had the intention that was bad, but could God have been using it because 
he didn't want Paul to go to Thessalonica, and obviously, because God is sovereign over it all. I, I think that the greater point, and this is and this is what I would want to emphasize, is um, there is a central component that we didn't talk about last week that I think addresses this question, and that is the idea that we are called uh, to walk by faith. Um, that faith has a central component to our experience with Christ and this journey that we're on, this walk that we're engaged in. Um, now, I'm not one of those people that like makes this equivalency to, to faith in blindness or that faith should be a cop-out, you know, oh, we'll just have faith. Uh, the Bible defines faith in Hebrews 11 as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not clearly seen, uh, that there is substance and evidence so that there is enough to make faith reasonable, like to take a step of faith reasonable. And so how do you know when, when it's the enemy or how do you know you're stepping out and, 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 and an act of faith under the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Again, I think that that's something that, uh, that there's some evidence in that moment. There's some, some substance to what you're experiencing. I don't think that that moment happens in a void. I think you know, and I think you know when those moments arise. Uh, again, I don't think you should be maybe running around willy-nilly saying everything you're doing is the Holy Spirit. Um, and like, well, I, I don't see the results, you know, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, I think that there are, there are times, and, and I gave illustrations, examples last week of moments in my life that I have felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit and that I've acted and seen the Lord work through it. And it's like, oh, that was definitely the Holy Spirit. Um, but there's a component of faith and trusting the Lord. And in that moment, they're just being a peace about, okay, I'm, I am hearing the Lord's voice. And I, and I, and I do now need to be faithful to that. Um, so uh, it's a great question, complicated question. I don't, don't want to take too much time to address it, but felt like we needed to at least uh, get to it. So setting that out of the way. Pope Creighton, what do you got for tonight? All right, so today's going to be a weird one. Um, Great. Like where this <laughs> like is going good, on. Like good weird or bad weird? A weird I think it would be good weird. Good weird. Uh, okay. I would call this a question like like a Christianity 2.0 okay. or 2.1, 201 kind of thing. Like this classes. isn't a thing that you deal with when you're an early Christian, but it might be something that comes up later on in your journey, right? Um, and before we get started, I have to draw a a uh, semantic line on the word worship because we use it in two different ways and we use them interchangeably. So the first is worship, meaning like to do things for God and to like, we, we worship God by doing all sorts of things. We love our neighbors to worship God. We go to church to worship God. We, you know, we give whatever we're charitable, we, we give serve There's, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. To gotcha. worship God. And then we also have the word worship in like the Christianese term, which is the four or five songs before the sermon. Okay. And we use those words very the same a lot of the time. And so it kind of gets confusing. For the duration of this episode, when so I say the word worship. you have a pretty lengthy worship, disclosure here. Yes. When I say the word worship for the duration of this episode, I am talking about the singing prior to the sermon on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, if your church does two services, um, hmm. like just specifically the point between when the sermon, the the sanctuary doors close, the lights go down, 
you sing for a while, and then you start the Bible study. Then That's you have a few announcements and then the Bible study. Right. right. <laughs> a few announcements. So when I say worship, I mean specifically the singing part of the okay. worship service. Okay. Why do we do that? Um, that's the, the, the question is why. That's why it. do we sing before the sermon? one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's a toughie. It's one of those things. I grew up in I grew up in church. Um, and so I've gone 30 years almost every Sunday having a live music thing where I'm singing along with hundreds of other people. And that's very normal to me. Um, and you're, you're right. You scoffed a second ago at the 2.0 thing. No, the more you think um, about it though, it is. It's yeah. one of those things where if you are like coming into church for the first time at your forties, it's weird. I bet it's the first thing you see where it's like, what is going on? It's a pretty easy question to answer, to be honest. If you say so, because I can come up with like Spice six. Spice Daddy jumped right in like, hey, he did. And I already know, down, I already know, I already know if Zach you say so, already turned to avoid. Uh, I can think of like six different reasons why we do it. Mm-hmm. And none of them are all encompassing. And I don't think any of the ones that I can think of are like, yeah, this would be a good enough reason for it to be as ubiquitous and singular as it is. Yeah, like it, you almost, the way you're framing the question is almost kind of like, you know, if we were at our church to decide that we're just not going to do that anymore, like that's just not the way we're going to do it anymore, like Aaron would be, would be bummed would, out. There would be, there would be <laughs> a, a kickback. Well, yeah. There'd be a huge be devastating. Kickback. So, it, but, but why? Why do people feel so strongly about that? I get that. That's exactly. A great that's exactly yeah. what I mean. Like it is such a central thing at least to american christianity i don't know how it works overseas oh, i think it's, it's, I'm not. it's way way broader than american christianity so my question is yeah. just like i don't have a problem with it i just why do we do that because no, i think like, it's if a great you think question. about the world how often does the world get together in gatherings and sing together other than concerts which you could argue are worshiping the person who's putting on the concert like that's the only time that non-christians do that we do it on a weekly basis. Well, let's throw everyone. The, does. Let's throw the rookie in the deep end, right? Right from the jump. <laughs> I mean, he is a worship leader. So. Before before I start to share some thoughts, mm-hmm. which Creighton, you you even said that you had five or six, like already in your mind. Mm-hmm. So if we don't get to those, by all means, at the end, share those. Okay. Um, Aaron, you know you and your wife um, lead worship at our church. <clears throat> And you volunteer your time to do this, and, and you have a heart for it. Uh, you're good at it. Um, you know, why do you do it? Well, it, it's, it's a fun question. It Not is. Not to put you on is. the spot or anything. No, it's, it's funny because... No, we're it, totally putting him on the spot. There's no... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm we're, starting to sweat right now. We're doing that, yeah. Um, no, when you, f- when you first asked it, I had that initial response of, like, well, that's an easy question. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more it's... it's there's There's a lot of components to it. And I mean... It's it's a little funny because the the most immediate answer is that that to me that form of worship and, and the way that we do it is a- another way to do you know the other way that you were describing worship. It's an act of service. It's an act of giving you know something that I have to you know in service to God, um, that sort of thing. But I mean I. I'm not sure why we do it the way that we do it, why it's so, it's always, you know, um, 
it's a the big worship deal. comes first, and mm-hmm. then it's you know the announcements, and then the the teaching. But I mean, I, it makes sense because it sets our hearts in a place of worship to God. It's a, I mean, for me, it feels like. It, it helps me get into a mind state of thinking solely on God and about God, and, and it puts me in the frame of mind to to be more open to receiving his word, to to not coming in, you know, right. preconceived notions, to, to just, God, we're worshiping you. What are you going to say back to us, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to... Um be combative right from the beginning. <laughs> yes, that you do. sounds that like the, the thing that you start when you're going to be combative. Um, because <laughs> you, you, you added this disclaimer. But in adding your disclaimer, you, you really neuter the ability to answer your question. Because there's a, there's a component to the answer that has to address... Um, our very elementary understanding of what worship is, and therefore then its application and emphasis in, in the corporate setting. I think the, the reason that we end up doing worship the way that we often do worship is because we don't understand what worship really is. So if I can't talk about what worship actually is, I can't actually answer your question. That makes sense? Like there's a component where I'm not trying to be semantic, but we do yes. have to define... Okay, what God so, is actually instructing mm-hmm. us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I totally get that. Um, once again, that's why in my disclaimer, I said that when I was going to use the worship, I was just talking about the singing. If you would like to discuss worship on a greater scale and then bring it back to the, oh, the see, musical number. Oh, for sure. Um, then I'm cool. I'm also, I'm using, I'm using I would the like wrong to language actually, for a lot of this. I think, I think if the, that's how you want to go about it, that's cool. I think the I just wanted to be certain that we were going to be like, you. why are we, like, I didn't want to say like, why do we worship? And then you'd be like, what else would you do for God? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'd only do that to just bug you. Um, okay. <laughs> no. The and, reason and, for and, the disclaimer. In Here we fact, are, I'd like to actually take this one step further, which is going to infuri- infuriate you. Like, Great. Um, I'd like to divorce immediately the notion of worship and sing-along to start with. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd like to, to separate that immediately because I think that, that becomes a lot of the problem when it comes to worship. And then the way in which we worship, even within the corporate setting, is that we have, and this is the problem, we have completely tied together the idea of worship and singing. And I think the very first place you have to start is to separate singing and worship. Now, I'm absolutely is there a, down with that. Is there a component of worship that results in singing? A hundred percent. We'll get to that. But right from the beginning, we, we have to detach the two in order to really understand what it is that, that God is calling us to do, why we do this, and then apply it within the corporate setting in, a, in an angle where it makes more sense and it's placed appropriately. I think we can all say that I think the worship portion of a, of a traditional American service, um, I would even go, good grief, I'd say Cuban, a Cuban service. If you've traveled or, you know, and Justin can speak to this, uh, because as we all know, he's well-traveled. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so I think sometimes, sometimes like it, like the overemphasis of the sing along slash worship thing within a Sunday service that is not uniquely American. Uh, you find the overemphasis of that cross culture. Um, in fact, you go to Cuba, you know, you, 
the church service is like 20 minutes of preaching and an hour and 40 minutes of Zumba worship. That's how it is in Central Florida, too. Which is like <laughs> just this craziest. It's such it's a cool thing. Like, I'm not knocking it, but it's it's a it's a different thing. And you can look at various cultures and there is an emphasis to this. Now, I, I think we can say and we'll speak and we'll kind of take this context more into the American experience. Um, I do think that there is an overemphasis um, of the sing-along worship part of a service. I think we overemphasize that in the American church. Um, a great evidence of this is that most of the time, if you're talking to someone and you're like, hey, you go to what church? Oh, yeah, I go to this church. Oh, how was, how was the service today? Dude, the worship was fire. Like, that's what you'll get. Like, dude, it was great. Dude, they did these songs, and, like, I was just, I was there, you know. I was like, man, I was transported right there before the throne of God. Well, what did he talk about? Uh, I, You know, a, a few things. Um, but, man, the worship, awesome. This guitar solo in the middle of, of oceans was just spot on. Like an angel playing a harp. Like, you get this overemphasis of, of, you know, of the proportionality um, of worship in, in the corporate setting. I, I will say that that's one of the reasons that, um, that there's a very specific format that we have at Calvary 316 where there is a, a solid worship set. In fact, we, we probably actually have a longer worship set than a lot of other contemporary churches because we have a longer service than they do. Um, but in a proportion... We do about 25 minutes worth of corporate singing. And we do 50 minutes uh, of Bible teaching. Like, there's a proportionality. So if you walk away from Calvary 316, like, if by the pure allotment of time gives you our place of significance, you'll walk away saying, well, the worship was great, but, man, they, they emphasize the teaching of the Word. And, and I think that that's a, an important thing to do. Now... <clears throat> Um, the, uh, you can also say that the 30 minutes of Kyle doing the announcements, um, you know, also probably carries an incredible amount of weight. Or a certain That's person true. reading poems. Right. Yeah. Or the, the welcome. I mean, it's, it's definitely not the welcome. He's quick, easy, and out of there. Yeah. Well, that's when you're Recently. doing it. Yeah. That's when you're doing it. Which is funny because I really think that we ought to, you need to script it and we have like a translation, like subtitles <laughs> that run while you're doing. It's probably um, a good Welcome idea. to Calvary 316. My name is Nicholas Monty. Hey, well, I've already messed up. My we name. have communion available <laughs> to my left, your right. Anyway. <laughs> First mention of worship in scripture. Anyone uh, want to take Genesis a guess? Genesis with... You're close. Abraham, possibly. And Isaac. And Isaac. Yeah. Genesis 22 is the famous story where God tells Abraham to take Isaac, his, the promised son, and to take him to a mountain and to offer him as a sacrifice. And so they go to the mountains of Moriah, which is where the instructions were, were leading them. It's Abraham, it's Isaac, it's some servants, it's a crew. They get to the mountains of Moriah, and uh, Abraham tells the servants, hey, stay behind. Uh, me and the lad are going to worship the Lord. Now, Abraham was given the instruction to go make an offering, a sacrifice. 
but he equated this using a, a brand new term in scripture. Again, we're 22 chapters in. A lot of story, a lot of history. First time we have shakah, we have worship, the Hebrew word uh, to attribute worth, to prostrate oneself, to uplift, um, is in this context of Abraham offering to God the most important thing in his life. And we're told in Hebrews that uh, Abraham did this because, again, he says, the lad and I will come back. We're going to go worship. We'll come back. That Abraham went knowing that even if he offered Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. Like he has this total confidence and faith in God. He's acting out of obedience. And he sees this sacrifice that he's going to offer as an act of worship, that he is honoring and he's uplifting, exalting God. Now, when you get into now the Old Testament context and you get into, you know, the powwow at Sinai, God giving the instructions of how he's to be approached, his position within the nation, uh, the order of which he and mankind are going to interact, right? He establishes the tabernacle of meeting, places it in the center of the camp, and he takes one of the tribes, the tribe of Levi, the descendants of Aaron, and he says, you guys, your job is to serve me. Your job is to facilitate this interaction between man and, and myself. And a priest, in that context is the representative of humanity before God. Uh, a prophet would function as the mouthpiece of God to humanity. The king would be um, a human representative carrying forth God's authority over mankind. We have the, the role of the prophet, the priest, and the king within, uh, you know, within, within the, old, the old covenant, within the nation, the national identity. But the priests, the priest's job was to facilitate what we would call the worship of God. Um, sacrifice and offering, the, the Lord would say, I don't desire, but a contrite heart. You know, that the process by which the people were to approach God through the sacrificial system, through the priests, was to be an act of worship. It was to be, as, as in, so we have the first mention of worship within the context of Abraham offering a sacrifice. Sacrifice, offering worship are fundamentally intertwined. So you guys tracking with me, like, because yes. the law first mentioned there is not worship without sacrifice. Okay. And the priests were to facilitate the worship of the people within the sacrificial system. Now the sacrificial system, there was two components to it. And you can go back to Leviticus. The first and, and the primary were the atonement offerings the blood offerings, the offerings of sacrifice for sin. But then there were just as many offerings of thanksgiving or of first fruits that weren't about atonement. They weren't about sacrifice in the context of like trying to appease the wrath of God, trying to create this, this, this. It was after that, that then there were, there were expressions of one's heart in the sacrifice to the Lord, not for sin, not for atonement, not for, uh, you know, the, the blood to be sprinkled for purification. These were pure expressions of the heart of the people. Hey, God gave a bounty 
and I want to honor God and exalt God for the bounty, and I'm going to bring the first fruits, and I'm going to make this this grain offering or a fruit offering, and that was an express. It was a sacrifice, an expression of what? Of thanksgiving. It was the expression of thanksgiving. Now, I, I go all the way back to the old the Old Testament because Peter, in First Peter chapter two. He does an interesting thing because he connects a lot of Old Testament concepts to the New Testament believer. And, and the big one is that we are a royal priesthood. That in Christ Jesus, we don't have the need for a priest to make offerings on our behalf before God. We have a high priest who has made an offering. We have no application for sacrifice for atonement. Jesus did that as the high priest. So when we're talking about we're a high priest, a, a, a priesthood of believers, we have this role within the old, the old covenant model where we're approaching God through sacrifice, but the sacrifice for atonement? No, that was taken care of by the high priest Jesus, refer to Hebrews. But as priests, we're now approaching God with sacrifice of what? Of thanksgiving, which again, you talk about worship in that context, the core context of sacrifice. That's why worship is not just sing-along. That's why worship from a fundamental standpoint, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus said that. And he says God is spirit. And so worship happens in the spiritual realm of thanksgiving. What is the only thing that we can offer a God that has everything? <laughs> Thanks. It's Thanksgiving. Fascinating that the only thing that God can't offer is thanks. Because he has nothing, no one to thank. He is the all giver and we receive. And the only thing we have to offer back to God, it's not our sacrifices, it's not our work, it's our thanks. And, and our thanks can be expressed in various ways. And you kind of mentioned that at the beginning, and this is where we have to broaden the conversation. Hey, can, can your worship be an expression to God through your service? Oh, for sure, right? Can it be an expression through the study and the handling of God's word? No doubt, and truth. Can, can an expression of thanks, worship, be through your giving and making an offering? 100%. Now, all that to say that the singing of songs is also, biblically speaking, an express, a way in which God will receive our thanks. Now, I'll give you just one passage, and, and you, can, you can go to, to many. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, this is the end of the book. And this gets directly to your question, well, why do we do this? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we do this within the corporate setting? Therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice. And again, we go back to sacrifice, but the sacrifice of what? Of praise to God. Now you say, well, is that just a nonverbal expression? Well, no, we're giving further context. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so there is, there is a component of our worship where God has told us. The singing of songs, the, the, the expression of our lips is something that I enjoy. It's something that I delight in. It is an expression of our thanks. Now, now what's, what's crazy about it is in the process of that, 
Does God need our praise? Does God need our thanks? Does God need anything? Not at all. It's not as though that God is getting an, an ego trip from our praise. That we have to puff up his ego. Which is why in the act of praise, who gets the result? Who gets the experience? Who gets the manifestation of the offering? Well, it ends up being us. It's just another outpouring of just the, the incredible grace of God. Like, hey, I appreciate your praise. I don't need it. So here, I'm back to you. Which is why in worship, when we're articulating these thoughts to the Lord and the expressions of our hearts to God, that we feel like, oh man, I just, I hope that, that what, I hope that God had as good of an experience in it as I did because God blessed me, right? In, in the process of it. Now, so one of the reasons is we are a priesthood and we, we are to make an Thanksgiving offerings. And one of those components is the, the, the praise. Um, it should also be added, and I think that this is, this is significant, that we, that we have the example of this um, within the, the national identity of the Hebrew people and their relationship to God. In fact, the biggest book of the Old Testament is a book of worship songs. It is the Psalms, that these were songs that the people would sing to God. And they would do this individually, and they would do this corporately. They would do this with, with, with sometimes very specific intention and during times of the year. Like there was, there was a, a method to the expression of all of these things um, within the corporate identity of the Lord. Now, uh, let me add, you should never relegate, like if we're just talking about the, the, the expression of, of worship from our praise, which is what you're wanting to get to and not talking about giving or not talking about service or, or studying your Bible, all other ways to worship, but just honing in on like this purpose of the 25 minutes within the corporate identity. Like, why do we do that in that, 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 that section? Well, first I should say that if that's the only time you're singing songs to the Lord, you have a problem that, that, that there should be a, a, a man of, like that, that blessing is not relegated to 25 minutes on one morning. It's like, hey, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, I'm going to praise him. But the rest of the week, eh. No, I, I think that there should be a lifestyle of praise. And, and when you look at Israel, there were songs to be sung corporately, but there were songs to be sung organically, individually, personally, all the time. That's how all of them were written. They were written by individuals and their own private expression to the Lord, and it was recorded down. I wish we had the music to the lyrics. But David, David would be out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks with his heart. It's how so many of these writing about the good shepherd and, and playing on all these imagery, uh, the imagery of, of what he was doing practically. And it was an individual expression, but then it carried over to the corporate identity of the children of Israel, which is why in, in regards to the Sabbath service, and again, the Sabbath service uh, within the, the synagogue set up. That, that, that's a non-biblical thing that was developed uh, during the Babylonian exile where they could not come to the, to the temple um, that carried forth. But even in Jesus's day, Jesus, we're told it made it his custom to go um, to, to, the, to, to the synagogue, to worship, to study God's word. And so we see this within the, the national identity of the Hebrew people. And then that carries over into the New Testament church, because again, they all began as, as, as Hebrews, and they carried over a lot of the same customs. And the, the, a lot of the Psalms made a lot more sense because they knew Jesus, the Messiah, which the, the Psalms were pointing to. And so 
if you look at the history of um, of worship in that corporate setting, it's from day one. It's always had a role because it it was kind of the Jewish thing that carried over. Um, and, and I think that there was validity to that. Now, if, and again, we don't have any examples in, um, you know, one of the things that you, you'll run across a lot in the Old Testament is you'll, you'll run into songs like Deborah and Judges does this amazing thing. God uses her. And then what happens? There's a chapter of the song of Deborah. Um, I would say the closest thing we have to that in the New Testament is Mary. The song of Mary after, you know, the, the exchange with the angel and, and her being chosen by God and this expression pours out of her heart. But there's no, no like, you know, we don't have a good, like, example of worship within the New Testament context, within the early church. And I think that's, that's intentional because times change, expressions change, music changes, lyrical patterns change. And yet let's say that, that we do have truth established in the word to give us the, an indication of, of appropriate songs. Um, I don't think all worship songs within the corporate setting um, have to be aimed at God. Um, That's a bold statement. Hmm. Well, I, we can look at that from the, an Old Testament context. Now, again, I think the majority of the time within the corporate setting, and we, we do this at Calvary 316, hey, the worship, quote, worship team, um, they're, not, they're, not, uh, the, they're not performing for an audience. That's the congregation. No, the audience is God, and the congregation is performing for an audience of one, and the worship team exists to help facilitate the actual performance, that being everyone. Like, we're doing this together, and that it's all aimed at God. And we filter all of our worship songs within that, that kind of that framework of we're articulating an expression. But if we're going back to the, the Psalms, you know, there are seven different types of Psalms that the people would sing and that God would delight in. And, and a lot of them aren't directed at God. I'll very quickly run through the seven different types of, of, of songs that you'll find in Psalms. First, you have Psalms of praise, which is probably the easiest one. These are, these are songs that focus on, on God, the person of God. They exalt him based on the reality of his character and his divine attributes. Psalms 33, Psalms 103, Psalms 139, just to give you a couple examples of those types, Psalms of praise. God for who you are. And you can see that application in our modern context, right? The songs that we sing, where we're uplifting his, his, his identity. Like they're about, not even so much what he's done, but just who he is, right? You have Psalms of reflection. These are Psalms that are historical in nature, and they review God's dealings with his people and continued faithfulness. These are, these are songs that look back into past victories, you know, things that God did in the past to help with our faith moving forward. Psalms 68, 78, 105, 106, Psalms of reflection. Psalms of a personal relationship. Um, songs that explore that relationship that one has with God and his children. Psalms 8, 16, 20, 23, 55. Psalms of vindication. Uh, which I, I think we should have way more of in in the modern church. These are 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 a call upon the righteous judgment of God to intervene on behalf of His children and destroy the wicked. 
Psalms of Vindication. Not too many modern worship songs saying, God, knock the teeth out of my enemies. We should write some. Get on it, I'm a big fan of I'm liking it. Psalms of Vindication. Uh, Psalms 35, 69, 109, 137. Psalms of Repentance. These are psalms that uh, intend to communicate uh, a sinner's emotions of sorrow. Again, the most famous of this would be like Psalms 51, David. A psalm of repentance after being called on the carpet with Bathsheba. But expressing uh, repentance and contrition, remorse over failure and sin. Psalm 6, 32, 102, 130 in addition to 51. Psalms of salvation, number six. These are messianic. They reference the coming Savior who would descend from David. Psalm 2, 8, 16, 22, 40, 45, 69, 72. Again, we don't have those in, in the expectation, but they can look back to the, the work of Jesus. Psalms of celebration were psalms that were more formal, and they were used at specific times. The Hallel Psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, uh, to commemorate uh, marks of celebration. When they would come up to the Jews, they were worshiping God. So my point is, is like, not every expression of worship, like I think some of the best worship songs, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Is, now, is, is, is that a worship song? I, yeah. I mean, it fits within a, a pattern. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, you know, Father Abraham. And, and it's corporate. But what are we saying? We're, we're sons of Abraham. I'm one of them. You're one of them. We might look different. We might be different. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. I, I, all You're picking these, kids' songs from the 80s, man. None of us were alive then, except yes. for Justin. He was in China. These are all songs we do with the kids at Calvary 316. <laughs> but what are they designed to do? They're designed to teach Bible stories and to communicate Bible truth. I think that there are... Okay, the old rugged cross. A great hymn. The old Solid. rugged cross. Dun, 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 dun. Is it directed to God? I'll remember the old rugged cross. Symbol of suffering and shape. It's not to God at all. Not really, no. It's not at all. Now, it's a great song, and it's great to sing at, at like, Good Friday, a Good Friday service or an Easter service. Why? Because we're ref- that the song helps my heart, my soul, and my mind reflect on what Jesus has done for me. And does that have a role in the corporate setting? Sure. Now, I think the majority of songs within the corporate setting should, should be aimed at the Lord. But to have songs of expression of truth, things that corporately we're going to, th- as a group, reflect on, to think about. Again, you go through the Psalms, and you have tons of examples of that. And I think, again, that's, that's, that's a reflection. Again, we look at the, the modern, you know, one of the biggest problems I have with modern Christian music or worship music is how little it engages one's brain and how it's designed to evoke emotion. Does worship evoke emotion? It should. But I think that it that there's a connection to one's mind that also, like, again, spirit and truth. Um, I want to think. Um, you know, we, we, we introduced that song, uh, mm-hmm. Send Me, a Bethel song, mm-hmm. right? This past Sunday. Um, when I sent it to you, what did I tell you in advance? 
I was like, hey, be careful about it's this a, one, right? It's a dangerous one. It's a dangerous song because you got to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's an, there's an old song, um, a 90s song, Holy Fire. Remember Holy Fire? Holy Fire, burn away yeah. my desire for anything that is not of you but is of me. That's a dangerous song. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you at? You, think about what you're asking. Or I surrender all. I surrender all. Do you? You should be careful singing it if you're not. We have to think and reflect. Um, again, looking at the Psalms as a pattern. You know, we could express ourselves to God in all kinds of ways. Again, I, I, you look at a wicked culture, it's like, Lord God, strike them dead. <laughs> and if not, send me to them. You know, I mean, we don't have those songs, songs of vindication. Um, Maybe so, we should. But we should, right. <laughs> Years ago, uh, when, when I was doing a series, and I'm, I'm pulling these notes from this PDF, uh, I, did a, I, I taught all 150 psalms in 35 minutes um, in the 66. So oh, I, my gosh. Covered, is, that what you're, is that what you have on your computer yeah. right now is the 66? <clears throat> yeah, I covered the entire book. Um, and, and what I did is when we went through the seven, I had a good friend of mine, Casey, who was <laughs> – doing worship at the time. And so we had, we had gone through these seven categories of Psalms and we've, we found modern equivalents to each song. And so I, I would get done explaining the Psalm and then Casey would do a verse and a chorus as an example of that type of a song. Uh, well, we got to vindication and there isn't one. So we, we wrote like this totally crazy verse and chorus of God striking down our enemies um, I remember that. Yeah, which which should should have been recorded and been included in corporate worship moving forward. Um, <laughs> but does that does that? I mean, again, trying to unpack an idea like this. Um, I guess before I get back to you, Creighton, do you guys have any thoughts? I know I went all over the place and tried to cover it as best as I could, in, in kind of a macro sense. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, something I can say on it. You know, you touched a little bit on like the um, the emotional side of it, and like that's too much of the focus is like what you're, you know, what you're getting out of it, um, and it should be more focused on what what's happening with God. But I I also think that you know God created music, created instruments, created people with those kind of talents for a reason. And if you even if you look through the Psalms, like I just kind of flipped through a couple here on my phone, like there's a lot of them that mention that they are intended to be sang with an eight stringed harp or with other stringed instruments. Like it's supposed to be played with instruments and that emotion is supposed to be there. God created it to help facilitate that so that you do have an understanding of like, you know, the gravity of what you're saying and what, you know, what you're asking for, what you're, what you're praising them for. There's, you know, there's within Christianity, you you find, man, there's everything ends up being on a pendulum Mm -hmm. and it swings to one extreme to the other. Like, Mm -hmm. like again, Arminianism and Calvinism is like you just got these two extremes and like where is a sinner, you know you you get like like where where are we or you like the gifts of the spirit you know you got they don't exist and they're like and we're crazy you know it's like <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to like you know most of the time you're gonna find yourself like if if you're looking at some theology and you see boom there's two the two extremes. It's the truth is probably right there somewhere in the middle. In between, yeah. And I think I think in regards to the emotive angle of of worship, uh, you know, you look at you look at at some craziness within modern American 
worship music where it's there's no preaching of the word and it's it's purely emotional like the entire the purpose of the sunday service is an emotional high mm-hmm. i mean we're given we're given crack cocaine and and no meat and potatoes you know it's just a pure hype because music can do that mm-hmm. and satan knows it because he was a worship leader of heaven at one point so we go from like we see like this extreme, but what ends up happening is like we 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 flow back to like well we we strip all the emotion out of it and we're only going to play hymns and the author has to be dead and uh, that's the only way that we can trust it and um, and it's all the about my has to be dead it's all about my brain and it's nothing about my emotions and I, I want to remove the emotion out it's an extreme, which is also not healthy, within a, a, the corporate environment. An overemphasis of emotional over truth is you're a ship on the on on the sea with no anchor, <laughs> and that's a dangerous boat to be in. But if you're also a boat where the anchor is just dropped hard, you're a boat that's not going to go anywhere. And there has to be this play between the wind blowing the sails and the anchor being pulled and lowered when it's appropriate. Again, this this center place. Side note, uh, you know David Guzik's commentaries? He has a rule that he does not quote anyone that is alive. Does he really? You have to be dead for him to quote you in one of his commentaries. I just learned this recently. That's his rule. You have to be dead. Because it's the only way that you can, like, he doesn't want to quote someone that seems like they're a good guy. And then find out later. find out they're Robbie Zacharias. And then you're like, you got to go and try to expunge all the quotes from Ravi Zacharias or whoever. <laughs> so further thoughts. Yeah. Uh, before I say mine, any comments? Cause I don't want to dismiss any of those. Good call. Yeah. Uh, I got a comment from my friend, Daniel, that was texted to me. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That was about the comment that I made very early on um, about how going to a concert is very similar in theme to um, mm-hmm. worship the singing worship at yeah. a church. Um, and he expounded on that a bit about how it's about, and he actually said that you are, you're not worshiping the singer or the band. You're worshiping the idea or thought, the song that person had same thing with worshiping God, which I think is a very interesting conversation that we might have later about idolatry. <laughs> but uh, I don't have anything from uh, Facebook and Vimeo because, or Facebook and YouTube because Vimeo is acting weird. Sorry well, for me, having issues, but let me jump. Uh, let me jump yeah, on go. on Daniel's thought, because and again, I think I think this is what at, at least for Calvary three sixteen, and kind of where where we land on our approach to, to to worship in this sense. Like you can absolutely artificially create an experience for people. And when you do that, there's no, it could be real or not. You have no way of knowing. Like it is very easy with, with gifted musicians, with lighting and the technology that can be added in to create an experience for people. The problem is, is, is it real or not? Because you created it. And so for, for us, there's this balancing act of like, 
we have modern music. We, we, we do modern songs. It's, it's, but we want to just try to be as genuine and authentic and not play the game. I got a good friend of mine who leads worship for a church. And, and it, is, it is packaged into the sauce. Like it's cooked into the sauce that there's a certain point in the pastor's sermon where the band comes back in and they are absolutely playing minor chords intentionally to evoke an environment and motive coming behind what the preacher is saying. And it, it's a total, it's, it, again, I hate that type of thing. It, it's fake. It's playing on like you're, you're, you're faking something. And like, if what that pastor has to say doesn't have the Holy spirit behind it, I don't need any music because it shouldn't need it. And sometimes you just, you got to have it with the spirit and you can't fake it. You can't conjure it again. That's where we went. You know, you go back to youth camp. You know, I did, I did youth, youth camps. I would tell everybody like the first night I said, listen, I could absolutely make Friday night the cry night. I can structure this whole camp whereby Friday night, you guys are tired. You've had your meltdown Thursday. You've been at each other's throats and I'm going to do a Bible study and we're going to do this thing and you guys are going to cry and there's going to be a lot of restoration and everybody's going to go home feeling real good. I can totally do that. I'm good enough as a speaker to pull that off. But we're not going to do that because it's fake and it's flimsy and it's a, it's a high. Youth camp junkies get enough mm. to make the, the buzz last. Famous song from Erstu. So that's where you go into, I think, Calvary 316. Um, you know, Andy, Andy kind of goes to an extreme with some of that where... You know, so Andy's the other worship leader other than Aaron. But, like, Andy doesn't like um, playing anything behind a prayer. He also doesn't like talking while he's on stage. Well, I don't, I don't mind that because we don't want Andy doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, like, but you can, listen, man, you, I've gone to worship sets where, like, the worship leader talked, man, more than he sang. Mm -hmm. And it's they like, I think you got the wrong calling. You're a preacher. I agree where it seems like they're trying to teach a Bible study between each song, but they're trying to invoke something. And, and to me, it's like, that's not the purpose of this. Again, you get into that, that, that mindset of like, you know, we're the performers and this is the audience and God's here to help the performers create an experience for the audience as opposed to the inverse where it all gets rotated. We're like, Hey, as a worship team, we're just here to help, you, the performers, the congregation, do something that pleases God. And if there's something that comes back from that, awesome. But that's not our purpose. So the smoke machines are too much? Well, but, okay. <laughs> yes and no. Yes, yes and no. <laughs> Just no. yes. <laughs> Justin got a big smile on his face. Because here's the other extreme. Because here's the other extreme. We look at worship... And his ultimate manifestation, which is heaven, right? Where we're all as one. I mean, we actually have the recorded uh, lyrics of the songs we will be singing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, is to come. I hope that there's maybe another two verses or so. Um, you know, we just got the opening stanza. Um, but, and what is it accompanied by? 
Dude, the greatest rock show you've ever seen in your life. The greatest light show, pyrotechnics, lighting. I you mean, could it say is, it's out of this world. It is. You got laser lights flying over everybody, changing colors. And, and again, and like going back to what Kyle says, there is like we are, um, we, we're sensory beings. God created us that way. And that there can be sensory engagement. And that can be incorporated in worship. But again, I just think if we're doing that to invoke something, we have a problem. And I think sometimes it's very hard to parse that, which maybe you want to gravitate towards being a little bit more modest in, in, in the way that you go about it. Well, I think to, to go from a different approach, and it kind of touches on what Kyle said, just as someone who studied like anthropology and archaeology and stuff, you see this innate <laughs> desire to have music in all cultures, past and present whether it be some tribe that's never been contacted in the middle of the, the, the jungle to, to high-tech countries, there's music associated with that. And we see that in every generation, every, every society. Uh, they, they find everybody thinks of Neanderthals as, as, as cavemen. They find instruments. They find instruments in... <laughs> in the burials of, of the mm-hmm. Neanderthals. And so that it, it's, it's part of us. And I think that's God given. And, and we see examples just to answer the question directly. And this is just coming from someone who's like historically minded. It, it shows up in, in our history. I mean, in, in the church history, you, you have Paul singing when he's in jail, you have, mm-hmm. it says they, that the, the early Christians met and they sang hymns and, and, and prayed and ate with each other. And you see this basic uh, schedule of things or how things are done in, in our church history. And going back even to, to Jewish culture and the Hebrew culture, they, they did these things. You, if you ever go to, a, to a, a, like a, one of the feasts that you know, the, the Jews still celebrate today, they're singing involved. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's, it goes back to a our nature because we're made in the image of God and 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 B the just our church history and, and culture built around that there there's music and and worship does that and it kind of segues to something I saw recently of of you know you, you see these videos of these uh, these churches that go crazy start speaking in tongues and shaking and running around and this documentary compared them to the to these tribes that are that do the basically the same thing where they start doing mumblings and dancing around uh and and i i think also known as rap music right (laughs) (laughs) but you see what i'm saying is it's it's like the the same kind of i think what separates christianity and the church is our focus is not on those around us when we're we are worshiping through singing it's it's focused on God Mm -hmm. and when we take off we take from that focus from onto us and away from God then we might as well be worshiping the demons that the other that the other people culture I mean worship of self is (laughs) right but I mean the the Mm -hmm. other cult and and that was the main takeaway from this documentary I saw was like 
they're just worshiping demons, they're doing the same thing. They're they're the exact same kind of feel and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. when you start getting that overly emotional stuff where the focus becomes on you and not towards God, mm-hmm. then you're doing the same thing as the the other people. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you got any, any thoughts you and Nick, you guys want to jump in here? Just a little bit more on that, like on the emotions and everything. I, th- I think kind of what you were saying really sums it up in, in that it's like, the emotions there's a, there's a balance in the middle there but it's it's where they're directed it's it's what where are they coming from what is their purpose hmm. are you overwhelmed with emotion because you are overcome with thankfulness for god because you are you know your worship it's it's an expression of love or whatever or is it you know as a lot of a lot of modern songs and modern churches can be it's it's what has god done for me how has god affected me what does this look like for me it's like, me centered me centered and and it's 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 misdirected emotion it's yeah mm-hmm. I don't know. no I, i'm with you 100 percent. so what i thought about is creighton framed the question of like why we do it before a sermon and stuff so to my answer with that would be to like stir something in us like music there's been studies that music causes dopamine dopamine to happen in the brain to make happiness and stuff. So yeah. music causes you, like you say, you can make people cry with music. An eargasm. It's just like that mm. commercial with all the dogs dying in the shelter. If that was just a silent commercial instead of, your arms of an angel. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. You wouldn't be sad. You wouldn't those, feel anything. It'd just or be the like, Holocaust it'd be survivor like, why commercials. Are those, why are those dogs? It's like there's song causes feeling. And I yeah. think that's one of the reasons that we do it before service that's why it probably it started before service is to get the heart maybe set in the right place. And then maybe throughout time, it's gone stretched now, too I'd, far. I'd like, to, I'd like to back up just, just a hair because you guys have framed this like we do worship before, like we got this pat. For years, that's not how it was at all. I know, mm-hmm. and I was about to talk for, all for, that. For years so. at Calvary 316, functionally, we would do three songs. Yep. Then we would have the Bible study, and then we'd have, so we'd have we'd have worship that would prepare our hearts for the teaching of God's word, and then we'd have a little bit of worship at the end as a response to the things that God that God has said. So, and again, I think that there's there, again there's not a blueprint of this is how you have to do it. Sometimes it's just the 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 functional, uh, the way that a service functions. Um, for a while, I was the one playing guitar. And we'd have people sing. It's very hard to do some worship songs and then preach and then get back to, to trying to do some worship songs. Um, but, you know, now that that isn't a dynamic anymore, that might be something that we, we consider throwing a, a change a change up every once in a while um, well, where you have some, some response worship at that's, the end. That's what I was going to say at mm-hmm. the end of that. It's like instead of getting music to prepare your heart to study God and stuff, why not study God to get your heart set on to worship him. Yeah, there you go. Well, you need you need the first song to be the song that lets everybody that shows up late get to their seats. <laughs> that's I you, mean, that's you, why we have Kyle doing announcements. You need so. you need at least you need some worship at the beginning so that like if you just started with the Bible study, a good 30 to 40% of your congregation is going to miss the first 5 to 10 minutes that's of the true. Bible study, um, which is which is which is true. That's Again, there was a, uh, at, at, at uh, the church that I came out of, like literally the first worship song 
was designed as the throwaway song. I love that you said the church that you came yeah, out of. Okay. Like, not That's everyone not knows her name what you're it. talking about. No, it was a throwaway song. Like it was the song that, that you know you were you you were there. Like oh, it was I'm it there. was something peppy, and you just you hammered it out because you started it with no one in the there was no one in the in their seats. Yeah, that was the song that started when the doors were still open, the lights were still on, and people were still talking in the sanctuary. Yeah. Like, oh hey guys, we're actually yeah. leading the song here. Y'all want to come That's on in? It. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and again, sometimes I'm not knocking it functionally, you know, so you have to, you have to do, I mean, you're, you're, there's a service to, to what you're, what you're doing. There's definitely a functionality to all of this that totally makes sense. There's to logistical me. reasons. Log- yeah. Like just yeah. straight mm-hmm. logistics. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Uh, I'll, 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 I thought that you, I thought that I think everyone hit all of the reasons that I had, like between everyone. We did a great job with this um, because I'm the person that needs to be pleased when we're doing this. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. Uh, if you don't, if you hit Thanks my for point, mumbling that one out. Uh, anyway, um, I think you guys all hit my thing, including the logistics. I find something that you said about the middle of the episode interesting. That I'd like okay, to yeah, let's, let's go back to it. Um, which is you said that if Sunday morning is the only time that you're singing praises to the Lord, you have a problem. I find that interesting. Because I don't listen to, like, worship music, except for between 10.30 and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Right. That's the only time I listen to worship music. I don't, I don't do CCM during the week. I generally, that, I generally listen to That tends to, to be the only time that I, I listen to it, too. Right. So my question is, what did you mean by, if the only time you're singing praises to the Lord is on Sunday mornings, you have an issue? Um. I think I think any any part of your Christian experience that gets relegated to just Sunday morning, you have a problem. I mean, just we'll just get, make it even broader than that. Like, if you're only okay. praying on Sunday morning, you have a problem. If you're, you're only, only reading your Bible on Sunday, you morning. have a problem. If you're only in in, in in fellowship with other Christians only once a week, you have a problem. Like any any aspect of the Christian experience, with maybe the maybe the exception of communion. Because mm. Jesus is clear that when you gather together, do this in mm-hmm. remembrance of mm-hmm. me. And, and that's not necessarily a, an individual that thing. That really is a corporate thing, it's a not corporate, an individual It's a thing. corporate thing. Um, yeah, any, any part of the Christian experience that is kind of completely relegated to Sunday morning, I think you have a problem. I'm not overcomplicating the idea beyond that. Okay. I'm just saying, like, just generally speaking. I, I, find, I, do, find, I do find that, um, and again, I'm not... I'm not like like you, most of the stuff that I, if I have headphones on, very rarely is it music. Uh, most of the time, I'm listening to Bible studies because mm-hmm. I'm I'm prepping for something, mm-hmm. um, or I'm studying for something. Like if I'm at the gym on the treadmill, ninety nine percent of the time, I'm listening to something in Judges, you know, right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I listen to a lot of different people, um, and it and it works well for me. It's just an easy way to to. I don't to think chew it's meant things. to have your life turned into a musical where you just break out. Right. The song. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be funny, <laughs> but I mean, you do see examples of that. You know, David dancing naked around yeah. the fire, praising the Lord, kind of thing. I mean, yeah. you, you 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 find example. I think music, and coming from someone who's musically impaired, you, you know, music and song is just a natural bro- byproduct of thanksgiving towards God. I'll I be in the, definitely I'll be agree in, with that. Mm-hmm. I'll be in the shower, man, and they'll be like, "This new song that we did, send me." Like, I'm I'm Pop I'm your head. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about the. It, this sticks, and it's it's just more of the the me- again. And this is a whole other topic. It's a hard issue. What, what, yeah, that, there's that. 
But we can do a, do an interesting study about the word meditation. To meditate on something. Well, I know what we're doing next week. You know, you know, to, to <laughs> meditate on something. And I think you can meditate on worship and worship songs and the ideas behind it. And that part of meditation is also, um, again, it's something spiritual. And, and, and these songs, again, the songs are written by other people. And, and, but they're, they're to, to enable you to express maybe something in your heart that you couldn't find the words to express. Um, I, I get, I get, gosh, I, there's not a single pastor's conference that I go to. And I don't go to many because I, I hate them. <laughs> where there isn't some panel discussion where someone gets asked about, you know, what worship songs should you allow your church to sing? And it's like, well, you know, those Hillsong people are crazy. You know, can you use those songs? You know, Bethel, their theology is pretty, pretty, pretty weird, which is true. They get some weird stuff, but they also write some great songs. And it's like, they, they, and there's this, this ends up being this whole big conversation about like, which songs can we use? And it's like, well, don't use any of David's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because he was a murderer and an adulterer. Uh, I prefer whoremonger. Um, so, I mean, it's like, if, if you're, like, if you're, if you, if, if your requirements, your prerequisite. It has to be written by somebody perfect. It has to be written by somebody perfect. <laughs> That I'm, I'm still waiting for Jesus to come out with CD one and two, you know, like <laughs> Jesus's greatest hits. Because last time I checked, JC, JC's in the house. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I, you know, there was, there was, there's been, uh, you know, when I was, when Chad and I were doing a lot of worship, there was a song uh, that we did. It was called Forty, and it was Psalms Forty, but it was, it's the last song on Joshua Tree from U two. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. Brought me up out of the pit, out of the mire. That song's from U2. And I will sing. Yep. I will sing a new song. Yep. I, well, there's only two verses that U2 did. I, I took the rest of the psalm and wrote two more verses um, out of it. So it's, huh. it's Bono and Zach is really it was collabor- collaboration. <laughs> An original. Uh, as original. That's news to me. But, um, the, uh, but again, it's, it's, they, they literally, it's two chords, which work well for my guitar playing ability. Mm-hmm. Um, just two chords, an E and an A, sounds or a like G some, and a C. Sounds good. like something Aaron's going to need to get on. Yeah. No, it's got a great lick to it's, it. But I only got one chord. <laughs> <laughs> it's a power chord. I got to learn another one. <laughs> the, uh, but again, I mean, it, 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 it was scripture, but you two did it. You know, and I don't exactly know where Bono stands with his theology, but it's like, does, it, does that matter? And to me, it's, it's just, it's the one conversation that drives me nuts. I think Bethel, they got some, there's some wing nuts in Bethel. Whack. There's some really weird stuff in Bethel. Those guys know how to write a worship song, man. I mean, and, and what they've been doing as of late, it's like, yeah, you know. Listen, I know Phil Wickham personally. He, he's, he's a weird dude. Um, Is his, Phil Wickham at Bethel? Bethel? No, oh. no. No, I'm I don't sorry. know. I don't know where. I mean, he was the way leading. that you the way that you phrased that. I I'm thought that you were like, saying okay. that Phil Wickham was at Bethel writing I, worship. No, music. I added. I, I added a thought between thoughts. Yeah, it, it you was didn't like, give us a heads up about. You that. can only play Calvary Chapel songs. Well, I mean, who's doing those these days? Well, like, I, th- I think I think it kind of goes back to what we've talked. Write about a good in the song. Past. We'll do if, it. If you know your Bible and you're in your Word, you can test the theology of of mm-hmm. these worship mm-hmm. songs against yeah. the Bible and, and find out pretty quickly if what they're saying is is for lack of a better term, kosher or not kosher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
for sure. I agree. Nick, Nick, I, uh, did you have a final uh, thought? No. I once heard it described as uh, being able to eat the meat and spit the bones out in terms of being able to look through what you're presented with, remove the stuff that is detrimental, yep. and then keep the stuff that is wonderful and sounds great coming out of a nail. You don't let little kids eat chicken wings. I don't plan on having little kids, so I won't have but that But you problem. don't because they don't know how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Uh, if I ever have kids, they're eating chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> any, any final thoughts? We got to bounce. You guys good? Good. Good. Great episode, Creighton. I, I, I thought good. Any any final comments? Anybody drop anything on the uh, I don't interwebs? have any more because Vimeo is on its last leg. We're probably not going to be on Vimeo next week. Um, no, this is a great episode. It's never gone the way that I wanted it to, but it's always gone well. So, uh, good. yeah. That works. Count us right. out, bud. I'm going to hit some music. Thank you so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. This is uh, the recording of a podcast. The podcast gets released on Thursdays. Uh, you're watching the live stream of the production of that podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, so you download it through Apple, Google, or Spotify, uh, join us Wednesday nights. Uh, we live stream. Uh, uh, outlawradio.live is our YouTube channel. Facebook.com slash the, the Radio Outlaw our facebook page we stream to both platforms so if you're watching check out the podcast if you're listening check out the live stream uh programming note we have one more uh wednesday night we'll be rocking and rolling next wednesday eight o'clock um but then we'll be taking the month of july off and so just a bit of a programming note god bless have a wonderful week see you guys next wednesday